don't look now, but these competitors are maybe starting to get the hang of this. Plus, Kyland is rolling solo, Corey gets caught scheming, Narice channels Scubinelli to no avail, Ed checks yet another box, hookups are getting real messy, Huey bows out and this historian's sad, and a big old pride party for Queen T say no more, I am there. It's the challenge, battle for a new champion, episode 4 recap coming up right now. What up, my fellow challenge lovers? Welcome to The Challenge Historian, where we dive deep into all things MTV's The Challenge, past, present, or future, if it's happening in The Challenge Universe, then we are here to document it. I am your host and dedicated challenge historian, Jacob Hallival. Thank you so very, very much for being here with me tonight for the second of the two-part extravaganza episode three we've put that podcast out episode four is this podcast if you are just tuning in first thing on a thursday morning or anytime after that fact and you stayed up late wednesday night to watch this unexpected double episode of the challenge two and a half hours worth yes i broke this up into two podcasts so there is a possibility a decent possibility that if you just went and click play on the most recent episode and you were thinking where's the episode three coverage well it was in the last one so if that's you and you need to go back one, go ahead and do so. We covered all things episode three in the last podcast episode. Now here in this one, we will be covering just episode number four. I felt the need to break it up. I explained a little bit why back on that one. So if you haven't listened to it yet, hop back, then come here, do them in order, do them out of order. Honestly, I don't know. The opinions would stay the same. Not a lot would change. You could do them out of order if you want to. So yeah, heck yeah. If you're driving along, you're like, I don't want to, you know, hands-free baby. We don't want to be messing that up. That's fine. Just keep it right on rolling. Either way, I appreciate you being here. Programming reminders then. Again, obviously, episode three already happened. This is episode four. Survivor 45 will be this weekend. B-Fank will be coming back again next Wednesday. That's what we got for November, December, until these two seasons are over and we enter, I would assume, a decently prolonged off-season going into the new year, probably a month or two at least, unless they surprise drop All-Stars 4. Who Christmas All-Stars 4? What if they dumped all of All-Stars 4 on Christmas? Oh my God, I just literally had that thought in the moment. And they shouldn't do that, I don't think. But it would also be the best Christmas present anyone could ever give me or you or any of us challenge fans. But regardless, rest of the year, it looks like B-Fank, Wednesday night, Survivor 45. Over the weekend, agenda for this evening, episode four only. That's the last time I'll say that. Same as usual, storylines, awards, power rankings, predictions. Here we go. Let's dive in. B-Fank, episode four. Let's do it. Starting as we always tend to do at the house, a couple, uh, we're not at the house very long, but a couple things worth pointing out and discussing. First and foremost, Kylan points out that he is the only one there to have not played with someone else in the house before. And I don't think I realized that I might just have a bad memory. And maybe I did realize this on the preview podcast. I don't know. But I don't think I did. Uh, I don't think this is a bad memory moment. I think this is a just totally missed that one moment. That's a super disadvantage um, that I had not thought of and certainly leaves him in a in a quite a tricky spot to be the only person coming in from, you know, that USA season and having not played with any of these people before. Definitely, definitely a tricky, tricky spot to be in. I had not picked up on it. And it highlights what we kind of ended the episode three coverage talking about with this U.S. crew. There's just 
yes, they have a strong, big contingent of people all working together, but we constantly see all these different you know, moments in the house where different little duos, different trios, different groups of four or five are having a conversation and one or two others walk in. It's always an intermixed group. Some people have number one solid. Some people have number two solid. Some people like Kylan don't though, and leaves them in a precarious position. Um, that leads me right into saying Asaf and Corey, we get, you know, having chatting, doing a little workout, being buds, love seeing that love that they're buddies and, but I had the same note there as I had about Kyland of like, oh, yeah, they just really and it seems like they're doing this on purpose. It's good storytelling on their part. But, you know, they're kind of starting to hit it over the head of like, oh, Asaf and Corey are tight. But are they number one with each other? No, because Asaf has Jay, right? Well, like, who's Corey's number one? Corey seems to be in a leadership position in this U.S. group. But also, is he actually like the top person in anyone else's mind within this alliance? It's it, it's strange. And it's going to be a straight up mess when they have to start saying each other's names at some point down the line, there's going to be a big break and it's going to get messy and ugly. And I cannot wait. I cannot wait. And speaking of it getting a little messy and ugly, we'll now talk about Corey and Zara because we didn't talk about it on the last one because we already knew the new information that would come in episode four, which is what we find out in this opening segment that Corey did not just kind of threaten, haha, kind of style Zara and Mariah when they explained the burn vote strategy to them he threatened them haha style and then he actually went to try to get people to say zara's name and it didn't work and no one went for it but she did eventually find out about it and isn't loving it wasted effort wasted effort this was wasteful on Corey's part there's no real purpose here if he framed it differently and we see a very short snippet of how he proposed it to one group of people. So maybe he eventually, maybe he did frame it this way. I don't know. I'm guessing that like six seconds wasn't the only time it was brought up. If he was going to make a real effort at it, maybe it was, I don't know, but he needed, if he was going to do something like this, purely frame it as not as a, like, I'm kind of like, I'm annoyed that the women are doing this. And so like, it'll be funny. Like, let's do Zara. Are you good with Zara? If it was framed as like, we can't, we got rid of a weak member of the US Alliance before. I think Raven's with us. We need to go for a UK. We need to go for one like the stronger UK women. Let's go Zara. Frame it that way. And maybe I'm with you. Just framed as kind of like a throw out. Like, let's, let's cause a little chaos here. Doesn't seem to really have a purpose. I love that he's being messy. He always brings the entertainment. There's a reason he is right there with Ed and Michelle. Those are the three I am all in on rooting for. Absolutely my favorites on this season. I'm rooting for him to win. I'm rooting for him to either win or get second to Ed. Either way. But damn it, Corey. Tighten it up. We're off to the daily challenge. Diving is hard in the water. They made this one doable, though. Unlike a couple recent ones where the diving down in the water has been like straight up like, man... This is, uh, I think they're maybe underestimating how hard this is, or they really want to make it that hard. I don't know. But this one seemed more manageable, more in the appropriate difficulty level of how deep and the rope to be able to pull yourself and that everything else. Overall, I loved it. The rules as usual made no sense. When was Ed allowed to go? When, you know, what, what did they wait for? What was the cue? What was it just to like, ah, there's only this much time left on ah, Narice has attempted this many times. We don't, I, we have no idea the rules, but we know that Ed is amazing at this. He's a beast in the water noted. What box has Ed not checked at this point? Because I know I've come in as this Ed super fan and I have all this bias and I'm rooting for him, 
but also slowly but surely i'm just like he also like just he checks every box in this game does he not like he's very strong i know he lost that pole wrestle and it it bothers me to this day that he lost that pole wrestle but like he's very strong in a headbanger like he's short but he's super strong super jacked so he's got physical strength he I guess we haven't seen him run like endurance run. So maybe not. Um, but for being a really big bulky guy, he's short. So that's at least helpful when it comes to like, if they're on a mountain and everything where the big guy stuff really, really does like play a factor, but he's super smart. We see him do the math last, uh, last challenge. Everyone likes him. He's super social. He might not have, you know, the tightest allies in the house. Cause he's as new as any of these people and has played with as few of these people as everyone not named Kylan but he still seems to be doing really well socially. He can swim really fast. It's shown here. Uh, you know, he's just checking a lot of boxes. I got to say at my guy, Ed absolute beast. I knew there was a reason I love this guy. Corey J also do really, really well in the water noted. I don't think I was hundred percent aware of either of them being a really good swimmer, but they proved to be uh very fast swimmers, very adept in the water here. Olivia, James, Michelle also shout outs. No problems. Very pretty quick through it. Everyone else does it. So no, you know, no problems for anyone. Noteworthy that big T it takes her a second, but she does get it on the next to try and says, you know, mentions waters her strong suit, most comfortable there. I think I remembered that. I don't think that's the first time she shared that, but it was just a thing to kind of re-put on her resume where she the most comfortable. She likes the water-based stuff as long as she's not hanging super high over it and actually just gets to start in it. Melissa getting it after that long was shocking, to be honest. Not shocking that she got it. Shocking that after that length of time, they they had reached the point where I was like, Melissa and Narice are not getting this. Like you would have either gotten it by now or like you've reached the point of like, it's not going to happen and you're too worked up and you've tried too many times and you're tired and panicked and the whole other thing. So that she in that moment got to that stage and then overcame and did it was a big notch in her belt. Um, I figured she was going to be the same boat as Narice. Narice has to be really mad in this moment that she ended up being in that boat alone, that Melissa couldn't hang out with her and continue to not get it. It seemed like it was hard enough that at least two people wouldn't do it. So it was really tough for Narice to be like, damn it, like it sucks that I can't do this, but it also kind of sucks that I'm the only one that can't do it. It seems like maybe there would at least be one or two other people who maybe would struggle in the same way. So tough look for her. But they end up getting it done again, whatever the rules be damned. They figure it out. They get it done with three seconds left. Maybe who knows? I never trust the timers. They show us prize money's up to four and or four. I almost said four and a half. It's not four and a half, $406,000, which is still not even half of the amount that it should be. But at least they're playing for more than they, the 300,000 that they played for back in the single digit seasons of the challenge. Then we have a big old pride party for Big T coming out party for her. What a wonderful moment. What a wonderful stage and platform for herself and for the entire community to get to have some shine here. And I also love, you know, I love it for her. I love it for the big celebration that it is. But I also love 
that it paints production into a corner that like, hey, we're having this big old party. You need to give us, and because of the reasons of the party and the importance of highlighting the reasons, you are required to actually give us the materials to make a cake, give us some alcohol, and you actually have to show this in the episode. So it's like forcing them into like, we're going to have a big old party and you have to show it because it's important and it's wonderful. And so, yeah, I love I loved everything about this party, this scene. It does eventually, we get some nice toasts. Melissa gives a nice toast, a big tea. We get a couple nice conversations between Huey and Corey and Asaf and Emmanuel who are dressed up in drag in it. It's all great. It's all a wonderful, wonderful celebration. And eventually it turns into Couples Corner um, with Michelle and Callum first, getting real serious. He is totally, you know, just he can't even keep his words straight anymore. He tells her he literally thinks about her every waking moment of the day, the whole thing. And God, it's awful. No new commentary here. It just gets more awful the more they show it and the more the producers lean into it in the confessional, which they lean in hard during the confessional. And like, so we need you to say the words, you have a girlfriend. And the longer it takes you to just say unequivocally, I have a girlfriend, the more we're going to keep asking you and showing you these awkward confessionals in the episode. Yeah, tough, tough stuff. But then, not to be outdone, although it was nowhere near outdone, Mariah and James, uh, her and Lockie, uh, getting along real well. They eventually consummate those wonderful feelings by at least getting some cuddling. But, you know, cuddling, the sheets were pulled over the head. Who knows what's going on under there? But they're having a good time. They're enjoying each other's presence and company, to say the least. And then she feels really bad about it because, as we find out, you know, at this stage, she is still kind of in some form or fashion with Johnny Bananas, who the two of them got together in the least, <laughs> uh, the least charismatic, chem- the least chemistry between them of uh, most couples we've ever seen on the show back on Ride or Dies. Um, but they continued to hang out outside of the show. And we get the update here that, you know, it's been about a year at this point since they first, you know, hooked up on Ride or Dies. And they would never have called each other boyfriend or girlfriend, but it, they have consistently hung out. And that is why she has absolutely nothing to feel bad about or be worried about. You are not dating, okay? If 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 you're not like actual labels dating, but just hanging out dating for a full year, there's a reason. He, if anything... He is not upset. He watches this episode, and I guarantee you this is exactly what happens. If He might not say it out loud. I don't know. But his truth serum, Johnny Bananas, sees this episode, and he says, Mariah, thank you. You helped me. I was a, a part of a storyline on an episode of a season I was not on and that I'm not one of the vets that gets to come in and do the thing later, and yet I get to be a part of a storyline. And He would be thanking her, okay? He would be thanking her. Nothing to worry about. Go bang locky have fun do that we know later in the season tori's gonna come in and be like mariah what the hell are you doing when she finds out about it uh that's in the trailer multiple times and it's like no come on what who no none of this matters bananas isn't upset i doubt it mariah shouldn't be upset i doubt you know i doubt she is now in the moment in that moment i get i get why she is i understand i'm empathetic but go do you go have a good time And uh, don't worry about him back at home. He's happy to make an appearance, even if just verbally in a couple flashback clips from Ryder Dies in this season.
We then have our deliberation. The UK guys in particular seem to really like being, you know, really forward to open these things. We had Callum do it once, a uh, very forward and aggressive opening statement. We had Kieran in a softer form do the opening statements. And now we have Lockie come out who definitely could have framed this better for his mate Huey uh, that I I would have felt if the only person I'd really feel a way about if I'm Huey is Lockie for like, hey, dude, I kind of get that like you know if we were the two names and someone says the two names that's kind of what we're starting to do with these deliberations but like you got to frame that better you framed it as like it's kind of me and i'm supposed to be your friend i would be upset with him if i was huey huey's kind of upset with everyone and the main thing i'll say about all the arguments that then take place is i would really like the challenge gets bogged down in its vocabulary sometimes and locked in on just a couple specific words. It's not just the challenge. It happens in Survivor. I would imagine it happens in Big Brother, maybe even worst of all. Um, but we need to stop just saying strong and weak over and over and over. Um, we need to say like good competitor versus worst competitor because when they're talking about this stuff and when like in Huey's case, they're all kind of saying, they're all saying we think he's kind of the worst overall competitor on the male side. They're not saying strong. They're not referencing he's got the least muscles. If if a few of them are, they're, they don't understand what actually wins this game, and that's fine. They won't end up winning this game. But they they always just constantly use the word strong or weak in, in, in replacement of like, overall good competitor overall not. And it I love Huey to death, but it, it just is what it is that it's it seemingly he isn't quite the well-rounded competitor that some of the men in the house are some of the men are not he's i don't know that he's the worst competitor there by any means um but i would put him if i group them in tiers i think he would be in the bottom tier and there would be probably more people than are willing to admit it or realize it um would be in that tier with them unless that would actually maybe be in the kind of top tier of fully well-rounded you've got pretty much all your bases covered here from everything that you need to be good in this game but if anything I, if I'm him, I would go the route of like playing up to that. Uh, I know at this point of the game, they're still doing the whole, we have to work together. If only they knew that they might not have to actually work together again and that they might need to turn their attention now to bigger threats and, and go the opposite way of the way they kind of go with this vote and lean more into, we like him. We like having him around. He, he makes the house more fun and enjoyable. So I wouldn't have been voting for him if I'm any of those other guys in the house, but just overall when, when discussing all this stuff, I wish it wouldn't always get boiled down to like one or two words. And in this case, it's always just like strong player, weak player. And it's like, that's we're we're mix mixing signals on what we're actually saying with that. So wish we wouldn't do that. Um, I know when they do the full circle of all the guys, you know, pleading their case that uh, some of the guys are kind of like messing around with it and joking around with it but they're not good speeches. I don't care if they're kind of joking, being silly. They're not good speeches. Jay, most especially of all, when he does the, like, I haven't betrayed any of you yet. And it's just like, don't say that. Just don't say it. Like, there's no need. It's not, it's not worth a joke. If they, even if, if no one took it as a joke, by the way, people put that in the back of their head. Okay. Even if, uh, yeah, just don't say it. Don't, don't say it. Um, afterwards then, uh, it seems like it's going to be Huey, but a few other names are floated. Most notably, James is floated, but no real movement comes from that. So we'll quickly just check back in with what we started. The storylines with of like the whole like who's with who and who really is in the 
large U.S. alliance because we have when James is floated, it's Narice, Michelle, Colleen, and Corey talking, and then Olivia, Asaf, Emmanuel, and Jay come in. And so I think at this point, we've seen enough times where Colleen and Emmanuel have come into the conversations and been welcomed and allowed to be a part of them um, in the background always, but a part of them, and you know, not told to leave or no information withheld. So I think Colleen and Emmanuel clearly are with the U.S. side at this point. I think if I were to try to break it down, Asaf and Jay are tight duo. Those are number ones. Those are best buds outside the game. Michelle and Jay are also number ones and Jay can have, you know, this works because it's a number one on the men's side and the women's side. So it works for the most part. Narice, Olivia, Mariah, for now, Mariah, I, I apologize. That was ridiculous. Mariah, Olivia, Narice, for now, are a super tight trio. Corey kind of doesn't have a number one, as we've said, um, but he feels more firmly in the mix with the whole crew than Kylan does, maybe even a little bit than Ed does. And then certainly than Colleen and Manuel, who I think are just purely like they need a spot to be. They've chosen the right side numbers wise. And for now are like, we'll float at the bottom of this until we sense that that's not a good place to be. And then we'll execute as best we can on any kind of middle ground floater type of strategy. But uh, that's kind of where that Alliance stands at this point. Finally, we end in the arena. The game is fun. It continues the trend from USA 2 that I loved of being a little random, a little bit goofy, still strategy needed, still some skill needed, still poise needed for sure. Anyone could win it. I love it. I know they were polarizing on USA 2. I heard from many of you back in the DMs. It was probably the thing most commented on from anyone that wanted to chat, which as always, at Challenge Historian on Instagram. I know I don't post any content on there, but I do check the DMs, and that's where I chat with folks about this wonderful, crazy, goofy show that we all love so much. And, you know, the polarization checked out. Some people were with me, loved them. Some people are just not a fan. And I totally understand the point of view and the reasons why. And I just fall on the other side on this one. And so um, I'm guessing that same crowd is probably like, yeah, I don't love this at all. And me and all of us on this, on the other side are like, continues the trend. I love it. These are the types of eliminations. I want this or pole wrestle. That's it. No in between. <laughs> I, I like it a lot. I wonder how long it took in total. It's yet another one. I would love the full unedited footage like up on YouTube after. Let me watch the full match. No edits at all. Just full time through. Wonder how long it took. Um, Kyland with kind of the random, but I like it random. Jordan facts of like, you know, I studied one of the greats. Jordan lost two eliminations and multiple of his wins. So maybe this is just me, you know, putting the positive spin on it. I like everything about it. It was random, but I liked everything about that reference two times. And it works really well because we then get the sneak peek in the middle, in the commercial break, in the middle of the this elimination. Get the sneak peek that confirms what we had kind of thought the champ situation was going to be starting next week in the chaos segment of this game. Jordan will be the first one, and it was TJ declares that he will get the chance to knock someone out of the game and take $10,000 out of their prize pot if he wins. So everything that we knew, that's wonderful. Jordan as first up. Obviously, they're going to save Kara and CT for like the hammer at the very end. It's going to be a big, big moment. They're going to build up to that. And it would would feel, you know, if anyone had to come after them, it would feel a certain way. So I think they picked exactly right. You pick kind of the second biggest, scariest name that they're going to throw in there to have 
open it. If you're going to have CT and Kara, I presume maybe I'll be wrong, but I don't think I am. Close it. Jordan is the right pick for that. Kylan gets to win. Huey goes home. It's a bummer. I love Huey to death. And I think he's fantastic for this television program. And I look forward. The only thing silver lining is that now uh, I, I need to check his Twitter. That's for damn sure. I need to see what kind of tea he's spilling. Cause he's always one willing to say what happened behind the scenes that wasn't shown. And so I look forward to that, but I wish he was uh, still around, but Kylan remains gets to give Melissa a big old hug. And uh, we continue into the awards. Best quote for this episode, three nominees. First one, Zara. My goodness. I'm a Pisces. I'm fish. I can fucking swim. Look at these shoulders. Have you not seen them? I look like a coat hanger and coat hangers float. So bring it on. End quote. Wow. Quote of the season nominee right there. Just out of nowhere, Zara comes over the top with just an incredible one. Ed, second nominee. I'm not built like Michael Phelps. I'm built like a damn gorilla. But in the water, I'm a damn shark. I just wanted to reference again how great Ed was at swimming uh, and that he went three for three on the diving portion and everything. And I just really like Ed. And then Olivia and Michelle had back-to-back great lines during the all the men giving their speeches during deliberation. I didn't write down either line that they said, but they were both great. I did then li- write down, though, the reason I didn't go back and write them down was because Michelle finishes it with, quote, I was going to say circle jerk, but I don't think I could say that kind of under a breath. But like you still said circle jerk and they still put it in because you're allowed to say it on and you're not the first ever to say it uh, on the challenge. And it was great and wonderful. So she gets nominated and shout out to Olivia, who deserved a nominee that I didn't write down because Zara's winning. Zara's winning. I mean, have you not seen them? I look like it. it's just the best, the best. Best moment. Uh, Speaking of best, best moment, five nominees. First one, Corey and Huey, as they're putting together the fruit plates and they realize that they have not made them look that pretty and they decide they're going to blame them looking like shit on James and Kieran. And I just enjoyed the two of them, uh, that that conversation. But then at the end that they're just both, these look like shit, right? Yeah, we should totally say James and Kieran did it. Okay, great. Love that. Second one, Asaf, Manuel. Huey and Corey, the conversation they have, uh, you know, having a soft man will do the drag and then just having the conversation about what the party means to them and just having the pride and having the ally and everything else. So that's wonderful. That's great. Third nominee. Uh, I didn't, didn't reference this before and I don't know how Huey's, um, as they start to throw out some fun party questions, uh, kind of like a never have I ever, but like, not just kind of like a fun, you know, they starts off with most likely to, uh, not sleep in their own bed that night. And there's some cute, you know, po- pointing from all the couples at each other and stuff. But then Huey just drops <laughs> most likely to cheat on their partner back home. And uh, I believe uh, it was the caffeine confessional crew had the, all, all their hosts had a, the, just the best screenshot of Callum in that moment. Uh, incredible editing work of his face just frozen in terror when Huey says that. It's just fantastic. What a moment. Fourth nominee, Olivia and Michelle talking shit about the guys at Deliberation. Just referenced it. It was fantastic. And then fifth and final one, the elimination game. Uh, The moment Kylan couldn't hit that shot for a bit, I actually became unsure of the result, which doesn't happen that often in the eliminations. But they had me back on the edge of my seat briefly, and I just thought the elimination was pretty fun and entertaining overall. Of those five nominees, though, hmm, yeah, I've got to give it to Huey's most likely to cheat on their partner tonight and the reaction from Callum. Amazing stuff. Amazing stuff. What a freeze frame. Episode MVP, Lockie in fifth, 
Ed and Asaf in fourth, just because they both deserve shout outs for every episode. We're four for four in Ed and Asaf not being a part of any of the storylines, but being a part of the entertainment of every single episode and proving why they're both fantastic cast members they have in this house. They just, they find little ways to add something entertaining via confessional, via an interaction in the house, via one of the party scenes, something. I just like both of them. They deserve the shout out. Corey Lay, third, Mariah second, but of course, the MVP of this episode. It was sad he's got to go home, but he leaves with one final trophy, at least from this historian. Huey is the MVP of episode four. Now to our power rankings. On the men's side, nothing changes, and on the women's side, nothing changes. Uh, I know I said that I tried to do take, not take episode four into account when I did them for episode three, but it, it, nothing much changed anyways, but it was hard not to. And so, yeah, they're, they're staying the same. Horacio, Ed, Kieran tied for fourth, Asaf and Jay, fifth for Corey, technically sixth. I guess I've got the men's side out to six at this point. Women's side, Olivia, Michelle, Mariah, Nerys, Zara. I just think the U.S. women have this on lock for as long as they can stay in lockstep with each other. And so those four just are at the top of it for me. And I like Olivia's spot the best. And uh, yeah, that's where they're at. And then on the men's side, similar, I just think Horacio has the most clearly defined like top people within the alliance and is, you know, as good of a competitor as any of them. And we see in this episode, we get the mention mention of like, it's probably not even worth targeting him because of how well uh, he did last season. Sorry, the hiccups coming in late night here as we close out these back-to-back podcasts. I love Ed's position. I love, I think Kieran's in the best from the UK standpoint. I think the US is going to wipe the floor with the UK side though, as is clearly predicated. Uh, these power rankings are predicated on that assumption and that fact, which is probably wrong because prediction time, all of my predictions as far as been wrong. I have gotten zero right so far. Um, so we're going to try to go for just some obvious layups next episode, just to see if we can get one, right. Okay. So number one, Jordan will win the elimination. (laughs) That's number one. Uh, Jordan wins eliminations. He's very good at doing so. And I'm fascinated, fascinated, fascinated to see what games they give each of these champions and how up their alley kind of they give it they clearly don't want it to be like 10 champions come in and 10 champions win elimination. I'm sure if they could choose, it would be an even split and there would be some like big upsets and some dominant performances by the champs, a nice mixture of everything. But uh, I think the first one, they're going to set a tone. I think Jordan is going to set a tone and Jordan is the one of any of them. One, the only thing that's ever been tough is, you know, Jordan had to do a pole wrestle one time and it's like, okay, you know, that one, that that's not going to work out so great. Um, they're not going to do that in this scenario to him. I'm guessing it's not going to be a pole wrestle. Uh, and even if it is, I think he beats a lot of the people in the house <laughs> finds a way as usual, but uh, he's in as well-rounded as an elimination threat has been in the history of this show. So regardless of what they give him, whether it's up his alley, quote unquote, or not, it's kind of all up Jordan's alley. That's kind of his thing is that he's good at all of it. So he will win the elimination. If we get to see it, I don't know if we'll actually get to see it or not. If it'll just be the reveal at the end of the episode. Uh, I hope not wish for next episode. I hope we get to see the elimination second prediction. Then, is 
I don't, I, I, I don't, I don't know. Do, do you think they maybe let them do one more daily challenge as a group to win 50 K and then changes to the chaos? I don't know. Maybe it does. I'm going to predict that it does. I predict they get to stay and they win 50 grand to bank one more time to let them build that back up. And uh, I'm going to stop there and hope that I at least go one for two on those. Those are your predictions. That's your power rankings, your awards, your storylines, your everything episode four. And it was your everything episode three. Thank you so much for being here all late night, evening, all through Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, whenever you were listening to these, what an amount of time we've committed to the challenge this week. I do not know if there's a double episode next week. I think this was a one-time thing. I don't know if there was a planned purpose behind it. If it was a last second thing, if it was always the plan, I do not know. But all I know is this, we will cover the show episode by episode as it happens. So if by any, the, the challenge gods, so see it that we have two episodes again next week then this historian will be back with two episodes. I'm not going to do a combo. They just would be too long. And I want to give each episode. It's it's true time in the sunlight because they've, they've been wonderful. I've loved this season so far. It's living up to my admittedly kind of high expectations coming in. I'm loving it. I'm thrilled by it. I hope it continues. I look forward to seeing the champ element if it plays out as well as this opening four episodes have. Thank you for being here with me, recapping it all. As always, follow, subscribe, rate, review, all of that stuff helps immensely. DM me if you want to talk challenge, love, 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 getting those. That helps immensely as well. Brings a lot of joy for me to get to do that and to get to hear your thoughts back. So thanks for being here. If you're watching Survivor, go watch that. Come back for that pod with me and Tony this weekend. Otherwise, I'll talk to you next week for more Beefank, baby. Peace.